Women on the Line, produced at 3CR, acknowledges the people of the Kulin Nations, true owners, caretakers and custodians of the lands from which we broadcast. We pay respect to elders past and present of the Kulin Nation and we recognise their unceded sovereignty. Welcome back to another episode of Women on the Line, one of Community Radio's National Women Current Affairs programs, produced at 3CR Community Radio in Narm, Melbourne, and broadcast nationally on the Community Radio Network. I'm your host today, Scheherazade Blul. So this week, I join you from France, which is in the middle of its legislative elections, where they vote for representatives to parliament. So it seems, I guess, fitting to enter into the realm of French politics, particularly since we saw the far-right party leader receive a large portion of the vote in the presidential election a few months ago. Perhaps more significantly for those who follow electoral politics, that was with the lowest voter turnout since 1969. And the French are about to vote again in their second round of the legislative elections, which are going to be held on June 19. So to discuss these issues within a broader context of global capitalism, we're joined by Dr. Rochelle Bloor, who is a social scientist formerly from the ANU and also my mum. Her fields of expertise are in immigration politics and genocide studies. And after living in Australia for 40 years, she returned to a changed France almost seven years ago and is here to share some of her insights into French politics and what she calls capitalist undemocracy. And throughout the show, we'll be hearing parts of Petrodollars, which is a rap by Lagalle featuring Paloma Pradal. Lagalle is a Swiss-born punk turned rapper and her lyrics dive into topics such as immigration, unemployment and young people as well as police brutality. Um, So with the rise of neoliberalism and new forms of imperialism, imperialism, uh, we've seen changes in societies like France, just like we've seen changes around the world. So just to give listeners a bit of an understanding beyond electoral politics, could you map out the political landscape for us in France? Well, it's it's both easy and difficult. It's easy in the sense that the, the biggest change in the political landscape can be dated relatively precisely to the presidential election of 1981, when Mitterrand won for a joint socialist communist party and where Jean-Marie Le Pen, for the first time, came to prominence in national politics. So what you have from 1981 on is the destruction of the Communist Party and the rise of the extreme right with Jean-Marie Le Pen at its head. And progressively, but relatively quickly for national politics, that led to a sliding to the right of the whole political discourse and to a centering on immigration issue. And um, that has result on the tenor of a political discourse. The political discourse not only slid to the right, but you have a rise of populist demagoguery 
and the politics of resentment, which you talk about that. And what happened, and that was for about 20 years, and what happened from 2012 onward is progressive destruction of the remaining big party, the Socialist Party, went, uh, especially in the, by the mid-2010. And uh, then, in this later, latest votes of uh, presidential election about one month ago, uh, what happened is the destruction of the traditional Republican centrist party, the party of Chirac and so on. That was destroyed. So what happened with that is a big void where uh, voters were used to be traditionally oriented by communist, socialist, Republican party, were faced with all new figures, a sort, a sort of multiplication of various marginal parties uh, with no capacity for unions. And uh, because of a rise of populist demagoguery, there was no, no union between various parties of the left. And for the first time, this boot earlier this year, no union for the, tra for the traditional centrist party as well. So votes are going all over the place. A, a bit like the 1930s election, in the 1930s kind of election. I'm reminded of that constantly. What do you mean by the 1930s election? What okay. happened in the 1930s? Well, it seems to me there was a radicalization of the voters in the 1930s and uh, with uh, lots of different parties, but the, the, the general result was a lot of populist discourse and a sliding towards extreme all over Europe. And which gave rise to... Uh, to Mussolini, Hitler, uh, Franco in Spain, and in France it was a socialist party, but that disappeared relatively quickly as well. And then I'm going to also ask you just to define... Demogagri. Demogagri. Yeah. I'll pro probably pronounce it right. I haven't spoken English in, uh, in the last six years. But uh, it's... Uh, Demagogue, flattering public opinion, having relatively violent discourse, as we've seen in Marine Le Pen, Zemmour, and even Jean-Luc Mélenchon for the left. So they, they, they flatter popular resentment and try to channel popular resentment for the, towards themselves. But that lead to, a, well, speech which are fairly close to hatred in many ways. That's why I talk about the rise of the politics of resentment, which we see in a lot of Western countries anyway, in the last 20 years or so. When you talk about politics, can that be beyond electoral politics in Europe? You've mentioned a lot of electoral politics. What about, you know, what's the political landscape like outside of that? And how does it interact with electoral politics? Well, the things that... Uh, that concern me the most is that the rise of popular resentment, flattered by this populist demagogue like Jean-Luc Mélenchon, Marine Le Pen, Zemmour, they fawn on popular resentment, they, uh, they eliminate the possibility of political negotiation, and uh, you have a lot of imprecations. The, the, the tenor of the, the political discourse frightened me a bit. You have a lot of imprecations, scapegoating, insult, 
instead of argument. So what you have, the results are not conducive to rational argumentation and to reflection. And in fact, the only one who pursues, the one who pursues most consistently a rational argument is Emmanuel Macron, our president, and that makes him pass for an arrogant elitist because he has always has argument, facts, and so on and so forth. The thing which is the most frightening is that paradoxically, that flattering of popular resentment dismantles the possibility for collective struggle and collective union. Mm. That's what, because you have emotion-driven populist, popular discourse, which encourage personalized attack in lieu of political analysis. I mean, the things that stand me, really, your listener may, may not uh, remember, or I don't know how much of an, in, of an impression he made in Australia, but uh, in... Um, in 2017-2018, you have a rise of the Gilets Jaunes movement. Oh, it was basically insurrectionist movement, people going to the street, and uh, not so much the street, but on square usually, and so on, and to be listened. And I was listening. At first, you have some kind of sympathy for popular protest. But the fact that frightened me very quickly is that uh, when I was listening to what people were saying in the street, in buses, in, in the shop, and so on, what you, what you saw was a lot of personalized attack. Macron is an elitist, Macron is, uh, you know, that type of things, rather than political argument. That went on. And uh, this year, I was uh, I follow the debate between Marine Le Pen and Emmanuel Macron on TV. And uh, so Macron did his usual things, explaining things, uh, showing the, the, all the things about his issue. When uh, when Marine Le Pen was trying to do his uh, usual emotional manipulations of popular resentment. And Macron was obviously understood much better. And so I thought Macron is a clear winner. The next day, I was stunned by the reaction of a fairly large minority who found Macron arrogant. arrogant. He was arrogant because uh, Marine Le Pen was ridiculized. She was ridiculed. She, she couldn't, she, she came out as completely incompetent. She didn't know the issue well enough and she could not respond to the well-established argument and so on. So she looked incompetent. But instead of focusing on Marine Le Pen incompetence, quite a number, a fairly big minority, went on talking about Macron arrogance. And that struck me, that, uh, that explains, that's why I say that the, the, the politic of resentment, the, the rise of a politic of resentment, dismantle the possibility for a collective struggle. It divides rather than allow for rational argument. So I was saying that it was uh, the, the rise of a politics 
of resentment has been fairly established and well studied. First, there is usually a misapprehension of what democratic equality means, taken to mean that my uninformed opinion is worth as much as your established argumentation, which is, of course, not true. Uh, this is encouraged, it seems to me, by a capitalist ideology that flatters consumers to encourage consumption, usually. The, I'm reminded of something that used to infuriate me in Australia about 20 years ago. It was uh, <laughs> the Commonwealth Bank. It went for a certain time, publicity campaign, and saying, we in the Commonwealth... We talk about the most person, we, we take care of the most important person in the world, you, the consumer. It has always struck me as a, as a particularly ridiculous bit of ma manipulation, but apparently it works quite well. So what do I know? Anyway, but that concept, it, it has, that, that ideology has colonized the concept of equal right to create a model of consumption that accentuate the frustration of those who cannot consume as much as they want and those who cannot live up to its promises. In the USA, when people cannot find work and they, they cannot live up to the touted lifestyle in the media, they are made to feel inadequate. Right. And it's that an in, individual problem. It's a, it, uh, because of the uh, economic individualism of the state, it's an individual problem. People are, uh, feel guilty and uh, it's all their fault because they are not able to, to fulfill their, their promise. And that led to resentment and humiliation and all sorts of things. Uh, that is very easily to channel into political scapegoating. And in France, people don't feel so guilty individually. Uh, they feel humiliated, and I want to go back to that is humiliation, but they blame others. They don't blame themselves because they don't think it's their fault. I mean, France used to have, uh, to have that kind of political awareness. There was a strong communist party, a strong socialist party, which have disappeared now. But still, the habit is you blame the system, you don't blame yourself when you are, you know, you don't succeed. That's the, big, uh, that's the biggest difference. But, but, but you still have the politics of resentment because precisely there is that, that rise of uh, emotion-driven populist political discourse from the left, like Mélenchon, or from the right, like Marine Le Pen, and that uh, you channel the resentment and the humiliation not so much into individual self-blame, but into political scapegoating of migrants. That's why, I talk, that's, why I, that's why I say that uh, the politics of resentment, populist discourse, paradoxically dismantle collective struggle because instead of analyzing, you blame. You, you blame some scapegoat. The scapegoat of the right and on the left are different, but the, the politics of blame are there. Mm. And what you need for collective struggle is more of an analysis. But it's difficult to make an analysis considering the issues are much more complex, or at least we understand that the issues are much more complex thanks to globalization and so on and so forth. Uh, the solving the problem, the economic of problem of France, uh, will not 
cannot be done simply by focusing on French politics. It's a global system we are on. And I, I even understand why both communist and socialist parties have uh, disintegrated to some extent because their analysis was still based of a 19th century economic, political economic analysis where there was not so much globalization. So it's, it's much more difficult. The political arguments have to be revised. You were just listening to Dr. Rochelle Bloor speak about the political landscape in France. And you're also hearing parts of Petrodollars, a rap song by La Galle featuring Paloma Pradal. Across these stolen lands now called Australia, you have been listening to Women on the Line, highlighting a range of gender non-conforming and women voices broadcast on the Community Radio Network. We now return to our interview with Dr. Bloor to dissect what she means by the politics of resentment and capitalist undemocracy. You mentioned something which uh, sparked my interest. Um, so uh, we talked about, uh, well, you talked about collective resentment. We talked about how the logics of neo-capitalism or recent forms of capitalist logic have enabled these feelings of resentment to fester. Is there anything else you want to add on that, firstly? No, because I think I've said the main things. Okay. The only things I haven't mentioned, I mean, I mentioned resentment, emotion-driven political discourse, and all of its channel into scapegoating certain people, different for a while, and our, it would end up in an incapacity to articulate a consistent collective struggle, you know, with consistent argument. And uh, precisely because the issues are far too complex and, uh, and are beyond the boundary of a nation state, so to speak, the one thing that is found in the literature, the one thing that, uh, that struck me in France, listening to people discussing, is something which I, I haven't found in the literature too much, is that pervasive sense of humiliation that uh, people keep articulating. You know, people were talking in the street during the Gilets jaunes insurrection and so on. And what you had is humiliation. People are humiliated. They hate Macron or they resent Macron because Macron makes them feel humiliated. They make them feel humiliated because he's all together. He has his argument and so on. And they feel, that's why they took, paradoxically, uh, they prefer Le Pen, which doesn't offer much solution or doesn't understand much the issue, but because Macron makes them feel, well, how can I say that in English? But for people, I think Macron, what I've, what I've heard is that Macron represents a banking, even though, whether or not it's true, it doesn't matter, what, it, what he represents, for what I've heard on the street, mm. is he represents... Uh, the elitist structure that has enabled people's disen- not only disenfranchisement but inequalities in a sense. So the structures of our societies with a capitalist elite mm. um, and you add on top of that the former bourgeoisie etc in France. 
Macron is represent is the representative of that. He's Four made people. representative. He's of made that. the representative of that. Yeah. It's not so much the arguments that he has or whatever. It doesn't matter. It's the that he. Represents. They don't want one to listen to I the don't argument. Want to talk about they or mm. whatever. That this for a lot of people on the streets, from a lot of people I've spoken with, Macron represents the elite of France that enables inequalities to to go on. Uh, what is lacking? To get worse. Yes, I know. I have I had the enter in argument with people in cafe and so on and so forth. And the things that struck me is that sense of humiliation, and to, correspondingly, Macron is an elitist and so on and so forth. Completely why... lack an historical perspective. I mean, the, the capitalist has why... done that for hundreds of years. Mm. Right? I wonder if this is why we need. A different system than these electoral than electoral politics, where you have. But the thing is that I want to insist is precisely all these elements end up in people cannot articulate their resentment in a way beyond emotion, in a way because nobody can offer much of a solution or a solution that people can understand or whatever, and they don't, they refuse the the emotions. All these demagogues using emotions are very dangerous. Uh, people understand the emotions, that's their emotions, and they want an immediate solution, which of course is not possible, and they refuse to go to enter a discourse of analysis. They are too, they are too humiliated. When you are, you are resentful, humiliated, and you struggle in your everyday life, you don't want to enter into discourse about what is possible, what is not possible, uh, you know, what is the structure and so on and so forth. You want to explode. That's what happened in France. I want to come back to this idea of capitalist undemocracy. Yeah. What do you mean by that? What is that? The way I understand democracy is that you have collective debate when you argue for... Uh, what would be, uh, what is the problem, what is the best solution of the problem, and so on and so forth. What you have now, thanks to political discourse, has always been prone to demagoguery and so on and so forth, but thanks to uh, cons consuming society or consuming culture, uh, what people want is buying into a not not buying into a solution. That's not the proper way of saying that. But uh, people don't go into that kind of uh, debating of what is the structural problem, what is the problem, what to do about it. They want to be presented with solutions that they can buy or not buy. And because of the demagoguery and the emotion-driven political discourse, it further erodes that capacity for collective, uh, collective reflection. That's what struck me. French used to be relatively politicized and uh, to go into political debate. But what you have now is imprecation rather than debate. I'm Blaming, sca scapegoating, imprecations. Blaming the other, insulting, but not debating. What really is the problem? What is it due to? And so on and so forth. Which is understandable insofar as the old party, that people 
used to rely on for their, for their analysis have been dismantled. No more Communist Party, no more Socialist Party, no more traditional Republican Party. So as you don't have a big party who presented reason, argument, and so on and so forth, well, people are a bit lost and they go for all sorts of other things. But again, this is the reliance on representational democracy. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and the representations are going, are very divided. We have, uh, in the la last election, in the election coming in a few days, you have three green parties who absolutely cannot stand each other. You know, they will never think of allying. They all try to go, you know, to, to go against each other. And that's only on green, and greens are relatively marginal in France. So, green, free green party, how do you vote? You, you have that multiplication and division. So, in a sense, we need a different political structure. Electoral politics are not the way electoral campaigns are condu conducted. The, well, they do what they can in the, 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 the ideological environment we have, but it's not favorable to, yes, it's not favorable to democracy. I'm not completely certain how suitable to mass society electoral politics are. In a mass society, you have to simplify positions and people are too diversified and so on. But when it, all that is colonized by a capitalist consumerist discourse, which inflect political discourse, what can you expect? People do the best they can. And that was Dr. Rochelle Bloor, a former lecturer at the ANU in Canberra, reflecting on the need for a different political language for collective struggle through the lens of France. And that's all we have time for today. We'd love to hear any comments or thoughts you might have about the program. So please send us an email to womenontheline at gmail.com or give us a call at 3CR on 03 8377. You can also find us on Instagram, Facebook and Twitter. The song that you've heard throughout our program is Petro Dollars by La Galle featuring Paloma Padal. Women on the Line is a national feminist current affairs program. It's produced and presented by a range of women and gender non-conforming broadcasters from 3CR in Nam, Melbourne. And we're broadcast across the continent on the Community Radio Network with funding support from the Community Broadcasting Foundation. The theme music that you hear on our shows is by Ripley Kavara. And all our programs can be downloaded from 3cr.org.au forward slash women on the line. Alternatively, you can just listen back to any of our programs on your favorite podcasting app. Thanks for listening. I'm Shahira Zablul and tune in again next week 
on your local community radio station. J'ai des as dans le viseur qui me porte la poisse Ma carcasse absente de leur registre et leur cadastre Ma gueule encadrée dans leur liste et leur câble Le code génétique qui trahit à chaque fois je me déplace Soudable sur deux lignes à la une On m'affuble mon image dissoute à la crasse et à l'usure Et pour m'expliquer sur l'origine de mes séquelles J'ai droit à mon briquet et mon essence culturelle La suite est lisible et les muselières suivent Entre la plaie, l'acide et la pile de missives La lucidité gagne mais ne prévient pas des dérives La carotte, la cravache garantissent l'eau Mascotte humanitaire en marge des sommets mondiaux Ma sale gueule en prime pour récolter la sève Oblitération des aspects psychosociaux Et chacune de mes rimes passées sur leur bureau Qu'en guise de nos futurs, nos veines en pâture, nos cœurs se déshydratent quand les gros titres annoncent qu'un nouveau conflit éclate. Scandaleuse presse suspendue à chaque lèvre, imprimée sur les flancs jusqu'à décoller la plèvre. La rétine en face sur cadre en prioritaire et une existence sur fond de régime autoritaire. La mort en capsule et en terre ferme. Qui recule à chaque verre à l'épiderme Ma mâchoire d'arabe accrochée aux barrières En conclusion se dérobe au pipeline et aux panières Je souffrais de sac des orteils à la tête La mèche allumée par ma dernière cigarette La frontière du sort, je suis la pioche au tunnel sous le...